Thomas, I don't know about you, but I love to get my hands on a journal of environmental psychology. You ever read that magazine? You know, I read it constantly. You know, I know you do. In fact, it's some of my favorite bathroom reading right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, this article they had in the other day, it said, when you and Karen get ready for Christmas, when do you start putting up your decorations? Usually right after Thanksgiving. How about you guys? Not till late. I'm one of those people that doesn't like Christmas. I yeah, you're a bah humbug kind <laughs> right. of guy. I always knew that about you. But, but this study said, Thomas, because I've always got mad at people to get, you know, what's well, one thing for department stores to start doing stuff in Halloween for Christmas already. But when your household starts doing it in November, that's wrong, don't you think? I used to always like to have the decorations up by Thanksgiving just because, you know, everybody comes over Thanksgiving Day and it's nice and festive. But Okay, well, that's the end of the month. But people already have. Yeah, well, anyway, eventually Karen said no more because I've got enough to do on Thanksgiving Day, let alone put up decorations, right? Right. Well, this article says that people who decorate for Christmas earlier are happier people. How about that, Thomas? See, I can go back, right? I can plead my case. And you know how lucky I am doing that with my wife. So what was this journal of what? Journal of Environmental Psychology. I guess meaning that, you know, your environment shapes who you are and stuff like that. That's what I'm And your to psyche. Yeah. I got it. Right. You know, Thomas, let's face it. Christmas is the only two and a half month holiday we have, right? November, December, halfway through January. I guess you're right. Yeah. 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 And you know, people actually do start putting up their Christmas decorations right after Halloween, which seems kind of cray-cray. But. And it kind of makes sense why they do this, because they say people like to associate things that make them happy, and it evokes strong feelings of childhood. So, you know, let's face it, when we're kids or we're young and that Christmas time comes around, that's a good time, isn't it? Well, most of the time, but let's face it, you know, a lot of tragedy seems to happen during the holidays and that really stays with people. And so the holiday season is not so happy for a lot of people, right? Yeah, that's true. If you lost a loved one or a child, for God forbid, but, and that reminds you. Yeah, so I guess it, it works both ways. In that particular scenario that you just mentioned, people dread the holidays, right? Yeah. Boy, are we Debbie Downer <laughs> today or what? You know, <laughs> we take this happy story. And we make it into tragedy. You know, when I was a kid, I liked to get things early with Christmas, but my mother would put me right. She would say, son, every time that Christmas is mentioned in November, Santa is forced to execute another elf. Do you know that, Thomas? That's what she told me. <laughs> Your mom. She was just such a warm-hearted person. Uh, God she, rest her soul. She was a pisser, Thomas. She was a pisser. A pisser. A wicked pisser. Yeah. Tom and Mike. There are strange things happening in this world, right? Yes, and I leave it up to you every morning to <laughs> uncover them. There's a rock out there with something strange under it. You're going to find it. So this guy was out fishing in, on a coast in New Zealand, you know, a surf fisherman. You know, He was in the water about three feet, you know, casting his rod, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, he sees this thing, what he thinks is a porcelain doll, floating in front of him. So he goes to touch it, and it lets out a noise. It's a toddler, Thomas. It's a toddler. Still alive. What happened was this kid's parents were camping at a nearby campground, and the kid was only 18 months old. He crawled out of the zip tent and walked into the ocean. I guess he got carried away. And it's it's just a miracle that the kid wasn't drowned. Makes you wonder what this bait this guy was using, huh? Bait? <laughs> <laughs> For a minute there, he was going to throw him back because it was too small, Thomas, but he didn't. How do you catch a little toddler? <laughs> With a binky and a blankie? Don't they know this is why we invented duct tape, right? Duct tape? But isn't that a strange story? 
Where are you going with this thing? Is there no, something just, funny here? Come on. So the kid's okay. <laughs> yeah. The kid's floating naturally because the kid just basically came out of the womb 18 months earlier, right? You have to wonder if the kid's name was Bob. Bob, Bob, Bob and along. <laughs> yeah, baby. There you go. <laughs> now you're working with me. Oh, oh gosh. God. That's a reach. It is a reach. Deep into the ocean. That was a reach. Right. Tom and Mike. I didn't know this was going on in America, but it is. Do you know that Americans are buying thousands of chicken diapers each month? Chicken diapers? <laughs> yeah, baby. Are these people that raise chickens? <laughs> they not only raise chickens, Thomas, but some of these people like to have the chickens come in their house as pets. So they have to put those little chicken diapers on them? <laughs> 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 Who knew there was a cottage industry there? Why didn't you think of that? We wouldn't have to get up so early every morning. We could just... Be living off the residuals of our chicken diapers. But how do you get a chicken to stand long enough to put a little nappy on them? How do you do that, Tom? Hey, yeah, you just flop it out on the table. And and if a chicken gets a rash, is that called a chicken tender? A chicken tender. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what these diapers go for? I'm kind of <laughs> guessing they might be a little expensive. $18 a pop. Wow. That's as much as like regular baby diapers. <laughs> but ultimately, the chickens are a lot cheaper than the kids to raise, right? There's no chicken colleges. There's no chicken health care insurance. There's only the chicken. <laughs> Wouldn't you love How to long do chickens last, anyway? How long do they stay alive? That's a good question. If you don't eat them and they just, you're on your farm to have eggs and everything, I'm going to guess seven or eight years. But you know what, Thomas? Before we come back tomorrow, I'm going to look that up for you. Yeah, yeah, I want to know that. The life expectancy of a chicken. Wouldn't you love to... Uh, Talk to these people that are putting diapers on their chickens. Whoever came up with that brilliant idea. <laughs> and don't you think that after a day of changing chicken diapers, that the owners are going to feel a little pretty pooped, huh? Pretty pooped? <laughs> hey, you're, you're right. Seven to eight years, I just Googled it. Is that what it, seriously? Yeah. Look Man, at me, baby. You got chickens in your backyard. I know you do. <laughs> no, no chickens. They say that this, these diapers are like... Levi Strauss meeting Calvin Klein, whatever that means. What do you think that means? Designer <laughs> chicken diapers. <laughs> we live in a strange world, don't we? We do. How strange? <laughs> Leave it up to you. Strange. You'll find those strange stories every single time. And you can hear more of this strangeness at whatsthisworldcomingto.com. Tom and Mike. Everybody knows you're Mr. Movie, right? It is I, Mr. Movie. I'm going to throw a little curve to you today. The American Film Institute just came out with the 10 most famous quotes from movie history. I'm going to tell you what the quotes are, and you're going to have to tell me what the movie is. And I'm guessing from looking at these 10 that you're going to get eight of them. I hope so. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Of course. That's gone with the wind. There you go. One for one. I'll make him an offer he can't refuse. The Godfather. Yeah, look at you. Here we That's go. That's so two easy, two. though. Come on. All right. You understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which I am. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jake LaMotta story. No. Um, I'm going to give you a little second to think about that. Okay. Come on. Just give me a second. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which I am, Charlie. Don't cut me off yet. I know this. <laughs> I know this. It's much earlier than that movie you're thinking of with Robert De Niro. Much earlier. And this is one of our greatest actors. James Cagney. No. No. Me... Hold on. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> you're killing me here. <laughs> you're killing yourself. Okay. Never mind. What is it? Marlon Brando on the waterfront. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Crap, crap. crap. All right, you're gonna crap make, sandwich. You're going to redeem yourself. 
Here, number four. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas okay, anymore. Okay, of course, that's uh, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> okay. Number five. Here's looking at you, kid. Well, uh, you know, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> what's his face? Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, God. Take a guess. No, I don't need to take a guess. I know what it is. It's, uh, it's James Cagney. No. Wait, here's looking at you, kid? Yep. He was married to uh, Lauren Bacall. Bogey. Yeah. Yep. What, what's the name of that movie? <laughs> Casablanca. Casablanca. Oh, you got I Casablanked out. <laughs> All right, come on. You're going to get this one. Go ahead. Make my day. Of course. Go ahead. Make my day. That's a sudden impact. Good. Good, 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 good. Clint good. Eastwood. Yep. The man, right. the myth, the legend. Your favorite Republican. Yeah. Here's the one. Here's the one I thought you'd never get, and I didn't get it either. All right, Mr. DeVille, I'm ready for my close-up. Yeah, I know that one, too. But Do you really? Yeah, I'm not getting it. I, I it's, it's Sunset Boulevard. I don't remember that one. Okay, number eight. You can get this. May the force be with you. Star Wars. You got it, buddy. Number nine. I don't think you'll get this one either. No, I, I, I wouldn't either. Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. Is that Back to the Future? No, no. that's all That's all about Eve. That's no, like I in the 40s. Okay. And you'll get this. Number 10. You talking to me? Oh, yeah. Uh, De Niro, uh, taxi driver. There you go, buddy. So I think you were six out of 10. No, <laughs> I was eight. No, you weren't. I was eight. You missed Sunset Boulevard. You missed All About Eve. You missed. Okay, I got one for you. On the Waterfront. I got one for you. Go ahead. Why so serious? Why so serious? Why so? I don't know. That's Batman, The Dark Knight. Oh, really? Yeah. This is an easy one. I just thought of this. Life is like a box of chocolates. Oh, that's Forrest Gump. Right. Okay. How about this one? Say hello to my little friend. Oh, Scarface, baby. There you go. <laughs> Tom and Mike. Well, I wonder what it feels like to go to bed at night. You've got three small kids. You're a single mom working a tough job, worried about college for them. You're worried about putting meals on the table, just things like that. Just worried more- about buying those chicken diapers. Chicken diapers. <laughs> and then you wake up. You're from Iowa. And you won $343 million in the Powerball. Wow. Three- $341 million for this woman with three kids and no husband, Thomas. What goes through your mind? What am I going to do with all this money? You know what she said she's going to do with it? What? She said she's going to share it with friends and family. So I'm guessing she'll be broke in five years, pal. <laughs> yeah. She's going to have friends and family coming out the wazoo. You know the lottery gives you one and a 200 million chance that you won't have to go to work tomorrow if you win it? Alcohol gives you one in five chance you won't go to work tomorrow. Yeah. So you like your chances better with alcohol. Yeah. You're terrible. <laughs> all I ever want is a chance to prove why winning the lottery that doesn't make me a bad person. That's all I want, Thomas. So you do play the lottery, don't you? No, I don't. Oh, I thought you did. No, I used to. I would get up and get the papers every day. But then because of the internet and stuff like that, you can read the papers on the internet. I stopped going. I think I won all the years I played. I think I won maybe a couple hundred dollars once and that was it. So you were up? No, not really. If you No, probably not. It was probably break even. I'm not a gambler. How about you? No, I never have. Some people are good at it. I'm not. And I guess it really is kind of an addiction. People that hang out at the casinos all day and all night. Oh, it's the saddest sight. You ever go to a casino, all you see are older people just hoping that they're going to win and they're probably spending their last money that they have for the month. Mm. There's nothing sadder than a casino. In the old days, the casinos made it nice. I remember when I was a young, young man, I went through Vegas on a trip across country in my Volkswagen. 
And you know, Thomas, that in those days, they would just give you liquor free. They don't do that anymore. I don't think so. They used to have these big fountains in Vegas, you know, like they have a, like a statue of a man and wine would be coming out of his like into a big trough where you just- Actual wine? Yeah. And you would just put your glass up and get the wine and walk, keep walking. Well, you know, we don't say the P word here on the program. Oh. Yeah. Even though technically that's what it is. But right. Future reference. You know, <laughs> wine would be coming out of his private part. Okay. You know, most Americans get, get that lottery. They think they're going to win it. But you know, most Americans have a better chance to win the lottery. They do getting a holiday bonus from their bosses. Did you know that, Thomas? That's probably true and sad on top of it. It is. As booming as this economy is, I just hope that your boss does the right thing this year and shares the wealth, right? Right, right. Tom and Mike. You ever been to Sweden? I have not. How about Neither you? have I. But if I ever go to Sweden, I'm going to go to this new museum they just opened. Or maybe I wouldn't after I think about this for a second. It's called the Disgusting Food Museum. Yeah, so what's inside? Well, here's what they try and do. They try and challenge people's perceptions and help people contemplate why certain cultures, one thing is an abomination to us is other person's delicacy. For example, they have on exhibit spicy rabbit heads, fruit bat soup, dead mouse in Chinese wine. Wouldn't you like that? To have me swirling in your bottle of wine as a mm. dead mouse. Mm-mm-mm. Maggots and cheese. Maggots? Seriously? Yes. Here's what's interesting, Thomas. And you know what they represented for the United States as, as foods that other people would have a hard time understanding? Jello salad and root beer. <laughs> Jello salad. Well, that is pretty disgusting, Jello salad. Root beer, not so much. I love root beer, but what's wrong with Jello salad? I don't know. I don't, it first, usually has, you know, bits of fruit and nuts inside. It's usually, you know, quite the basement in the church delicacy. Right. And root beer together, is that a no, combination? They're, I, no, they're just saying root beer is, is bad, although I So don't compared to maggots and rats, they <laughs> well, think that's disgusting? Right. Wow. There's really a disconnect between our culture and the rest of the world, isn't there? I know you're originally from Philadelphia. Right. And they have something there that is really, really disgusting. Because I used to live in Philly years ago. It's called Scrapple. Right. Tell the peeps what Scrapple is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, that's the whole problem right there, because they take all the leftover waste from the pig and they make some kind of sausage patty out of it. I don't think that's prominent anymore in Philadelphia. I, I think that's like, you always hear those stories about Philadelphia have the worst sports fan. That's a fallacy. You know, Philadelphia. Well, Philadelphia is full of uh, what they call the Pennsylvania Dutch. And I would imagine that's a not just a considered a delicacy in the Philadelphia area, but all of PA, no? Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I, I, get, I can't stand is whenever they talk about Philadelphia, they always talk about a cheesesteak. Like the cheesesteak's the only thing you can eat in Philadelphia. Now, let's face it. Cheesesteak is delicious, but you can't eat them too much because they give you a heart attack, right? You know what kind of cheesesteak I like? And I make it myself, and it's so, so good. I make it with filet mignon and <laughs> mushrooms. And People are saying, man, that guy. Sautéed onions and cheese. I think, I think I'm think i using provolone. Yeah. It's so good on a hoagie bun. Right. Did you ever have your cheesesteak like that? <laughs> I didn't have the filet mignon. I have everything else. You, oh you man, could. it just melts in your mouth. And by the way, the mushrooms and the onions sauteed in butter mm. Mm. with the filet mignon. And just for kicks this morning, let's crack an egg. <laughs> and, you know, put it, let's, let's put a fried egg on top and we'll call it breakfast. What do you think? Mm. Tom and Mike.